Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you, the voice of Ryan Treasure. I can't remember whether I said the future was this way or the past. I just go up in the air. That's it. Welcome to the future of now. We have a very hot topic for you. Very important because it probably affects, I'm guessing, about 99% of the people in our listening and viewing audience around the world. What do you do with your money? No, it's not a banking topic. Those of you who are my loyal listeners, and I appreciate there are about 200,000 of you around the world every year, and I'm so grateful that you you care about and pay attention to the show. I've been doing a subtopic the past couple months on some industry or some cultural thing or some genre about that and AI. So today our topic is the future of investing in AI. So if you are an investor, you're going to be very interested. We're not giving advice. We're not telling you what to do. This is not a show about crypto or stocks or bonds or anything like that. But we're talking about the industry of investing and how it is or is not will or will not change according to the impact of AI. So let me get started before I introduce my very special panel. So I asked ChatGPT, I always give credit, you know, I do this every week. What is the future of investing in AI? And here's the response. The future of investments in AI is closely intertwined as AI has the potential to revolutionize the investment industry by providing, now here's where you're all going to be interested, more accurate predictions, improved risk management, and enhanced portfolio optimization. They talk a little bit about machine learning algorithms. They talk about analyzing vast amounts of data. They talk about robo-advisors. I want to meet one of those. And portfolio optimization all sounds good. So, you know, I always love to get movie quotes on the topic or tangentially related. So I said, hey, chat GPT, give me some fictional movie quotes about money or investing. And I have a couple of beauties here. I have a quote from, who else would we start with? Gordon Gecko, Michael Douglas from Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps, 2010 movie. The quote is, money never sleeps, pal. Well, I think we all know that. I have a quote from Bud Fox, played by Charlie Sheen, who used to be Charlie Sheen, Wall Street, the 1987 film. And he said, the key to this business is buying low and selling high. I think we all know that. I have one from Eddie Felsen, played by the one and only Paul Newman in The Color of Money back in 1986. Money won is twice as sweet as money earned. Okay, I have two more quotes. I have a funny quote from Navin Johnson, played by funny man Steve Martin. The movie is The Jerk, 1979. We're going back in time. I love money. I love everything about it. I bought some pretty good stuff. Got me a $300 pair of socks. Got a fur sink, an electric dog polisher, a gasoline-powered turtleneck sweater. Christoph, that's for you. And of course, I bought some dumb stuff too. That's from The Jerk. Interesting. And one more quote from Nicholas Van Orton, also played by Michael Douglas in The Game. 1997. It's not about the money. It's about the game. So let me introduce my four esteemed panelists who are going to take us through the future of investing and AI. Good, bad, or not so much of either. We're going to find out. Barbara Stewart, wave hello. We'll get your bio in just a minute. Hi, uh, I want everybody on the panel to give Barbara a round of applause. She corralled. I deputized her to bring the panel, and I can't wait to hear from all of you. Barbara and I go back several years. 
And Christoph Cox is with us. Hi, Christoph. I was talking Hi. about your turtleneck. I don't know if yours is AI powered. We'll find out. <laughs> Raffaella Tenconi. Raffaella, she's in Athens, Greece today. And we have Russell Kouros. Russell, welcome. And I'm asking them for their take on the future of AI and investing, investing in AI. And of course, I have to quote the one and only movie we all, I didn't quote in the beginning, Jerry Maguire, show me the money. That's what it's all about. So welcome, Bonnie D in the house. Happy to be here. Uh, and by the way, Christoph is in Belgium. I want to give full and both Chris, uh, Russell and Barbara are in, in Canada and I'm in Tennessee. That's in US as far as I last checked. So let's go around the table and get some introductions. Barbara, welcome back. It's been a while since you've been on the show. Barbara, I did the math. I'm guessing there's about 14.623 people in the world who don't remember you from the last time you were on my show. Could you please talk to those 14.623 people? And I'd be delighted. First of all, it's really kind of you to invite me back. I had such a great time last time when I was in Provence doing the show in the sunshine. It was beautiful. Um, and it's great to have some new people here. And thank you all to my fellow panelists for showing up on time and all of that. Um, my background is uh, as a portfolio manager, a partner in an investment management firm in Toronto, working with high net worth entrepreneurs for over 20 years, shifted to doing research, uh, specifically in women in finance, qualitative research, interview very, very smart and accomplished women around the world, and issue an annual research report that comes out on International Women's Day, March 8th, every year. The reason I shifted to doing this research is I thought that the global narrative needed to change in a very deep way uh, around women and money. Um, there were so many stereotypes, and I, I like that I'm saying were because things have moved in, in a very progressive way, specifically in the last few years. So I thought the best way to counter negative stereotypes would be to share positive message positive messages from highly successful women around the world, highly successful investors. Luckily, uh, the media has been on my side. CFA Institute has been a, a great sponsor of mine. I've spoken around the world to, I think, over 75 CFA societies. I just came back from presenting my most recent report uh, for CFA Society Taiwan, CFA Society Singapore, CFA Society Sweden. So. I'm, I'm really, really pleased to be still doing this. This is my passion in life, and technology is only going to support the acceleration in my global narrative around women and money. So I'm pretty passionate about it. Thank you very much, Barbara. And I was very flattered that you selected me for one of your profiles last year. And I thank you for that. It was a it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Bonnie and money. Hilarious. Well, some people say that. I'm just fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm still here, Barbara. And I admire how you and your husband, Duncan, who, who is working at Deloitte, I believe still, you travel all over the world for at least the past year when things started to open up again. So when I email Barbara, I never know what country, what time zone, where she is. And I, I follow. I never your, know either, believe me. <laughs> I, I, I follow you. Why was my profile hilarious, Barbara? Everybody's wondering, what the heck is she talking quickly? Why? Well, they'll have to read it. It's in Rich Thinking last year on my website. Okay, there we go. Thank you very much. Everybody read it. Let's go to Christoph Cox. Christoph, welcome. So happy to have you here. What time is it in Belgium right now? 
Uh, well, we're uh, nine past five in the afternoon. Okay, it's past tea time, and you know what they say, it's beer o'clock or one o'clock somewhere, so it might be <laughs> oh, heading definitely there. definitely beer o'clock in Belgium. <laughs> Christoph, we would, yes, that's true. Christoph, we would love to get to know you, and since you haven't been on the show before, you're talking to 100% of my audience. Go ahead. Great. Thank you, Bonnie. So happy to be here. Um, my background is in law. I studied law here in Belgium, then stayed at the university for five more years, uh, did a PhD on international trade law and dispute resolution, and then decided that I did not want to be in dispute resolution. So I did not join a law firm, which would have been the obvious choice. Uh, uh, but I joined Deloitte uh, back in 2009, uh, started a commercial law department, where in fact we are the in-house legal counsel for companies that don't have an in-house legal counsel. So mostly as uh, a means, uh, startups and scale-ups. Uh, my big interest was in startups and scale-ups, helping them uh, negotiate contracts with uh, big multinationals on the other side of the table, which is quite exciting. Uh, and that brought me to a broader interest in startup scale-ups and technology, uh, brought me into our uh, Technology Fast 50 program, where we look for the fastest growing tech companies in our country and, and abroad. Uh, and uh, today I'm uh, leading this program for the fifth year in a row. It's the anniversary edition this year, uh, 10 years of uh, Fast 50 in Belgium. Uh, so I'm very happy to be in this community where I help uh, startups to look for money, uh, but also help investors looking for interesting investments in uh, technology startups. Thank you very much. What's your quick thought on the future of AI and investing? Yes or no, good or bad? Uh, well, first of all, two angles to it, investing in AI or using AI in your investment? Using AI in your investment. Well. I think there's much to say about using it in the process, but I have some other thoughts about whether we want AI to uh, to really advise us on which investments to do. Ah, thank you. Okay, we just want to get a little teaser there on the topic. Thank you, Christoph. Welcome, Raffaella Tenconi. Welcome. So happy. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. Welcome and speak to 100%. Talk to everybody. Let's know who you are and what's your excitement for the topic. Raffaella, welcome. Hi, Bonnie, and thank you all. Uh, hi, everyone. So I am an economist. I have been an economist for about 20 years for a bunch of uh, investment banks. My specialty is uh, economic and financial forecasting. Most of the times I've been really focused on, on Europe. But in 2015, I decided to, to create my own company. It's called ABA Economics. I did it because I really love my job and I thought it was not really being user-friendly enough, uh, especially not to a wider audience. So we put a lot of emphasis on making the research user uh, effective, really. So and in doing that, uh, I had quite an interest in understanding how people choose. Uh, my, my focus was how people choose in politics. Uh, and also, I was really interested in the dig digitalization revolution. So over time that I have merged actually these themes into, into my forecasting and which makes the topic of today really like uh, one of my core interests because digitalization has really profound implications for the economy, for people, for policies. It's very important that everybody understands it. And uh, it's very important everybody understands also how it develops over time. 
So short term and long term, they have different uh, implications. So that's all. Thank you very much. Pleasure to have you on. And by the way, what time is it in Athens, the real Athens in Greece, Rafaela? It's 6 p.m. Okay. Well, it's past bureau clock. It's probably <laughs> one, cocktail hour. We'll just say that. Well, thank you for taking time to join us. And let's go around the table one more time to Russell Chorus in Canada. Russell, welcome. Let's hear who you are and what's your excitement for the topic. Please go ahead. Thank you so much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Um, I started my career in 1995, almost 30 years ago, uh, in information technology and uh, did various different IT jobs, Java development, database uh, management, and things of that nature. Uh, about 15 years ago, I pivoted to investment and around 2014 in researching emerging markets and emerging technologies, I stumbled upon Bitcoin. Uh, and once I wrapped my head around what this technology represented, it became an obsession. Everything else got pushed aside. I started trading. I started mining. I started programming everything I could to uh, integrate myself as deeply as possible. I saw a lot of the same parallels that I saw with the internet, that the internet really changed every aspect of society. And I saw blockchain technology having the same transformative potential. Uh, so in 2017, I started a blockchain company called Easy 365. Uh, we launched uh, one of the first exchanges in the world with telephone support and credit card processing uh, because we felt that that was two things sorely lacking from the user experience uh, and helping new users get into crypto was very difficult. So the whole idea was to help facilitate mass adoption by making it as simple as possible for brand new users to enter the space. Uh, we were acquired by a SPAC two years ago and I exited from that. and. My new company, Big Possible, is uh, working with global brands on using Web3 technologies to integrate the brands with their most loyal customers and with the fans that love them. So that's that's my focus right now. Very excited to have you here. What do you think of AI and investing? Good, bad, or question mark, Russell? Well, the question is really irrelevant because it's going to happen regardless of how we feel about it. Uh, it's it's a foregone conclusion. It's inevitable. You cannot put the toothpaste back in the tube and, uh, you know, a little bit of a sidetrack, but all of these calls uh, to put a pause on AI research and development is, is uh, completely worthless. It can never happen and it'll only put the bad actors at an advantage. So, uh, uh, it is what it is. It's coming. <laughs> the horse is out of the barn door. You can't put it back. I like that, putting the toothpaste back in the tube. I think I've tried and it just doesn't work. It's called just suck it up and deal with it, right? Get back into the toothbrush. Thank you very much. Barbara, you have outdone yourself this time where you always do, bringing a very, very articulate and very smart and diverse panel in terms of their expertise. So now that we know all who you are and who we are, uh, let's go to, well, you don't know who I am, but that's okay. I'm just a host here. Uh, let's go to the opening quotes. If you're a new viewer or listener, I've asked my guest to send me a quote from a fictional character in a movie or a TV show or part of a song lyric, and Barbara's going to start off. I've done a little research on the trivia. We could spend a whole show talking about the background of their choices, but they're going to relate the quote, which is not about investing money or AI. It's about whatever it is, and they're going to relate it in their own words to our topic. So Barbara Stewart has picked a quote from a very well-known Dolly Parton song. I went to Dollywood, by the way, which is ah. about two hours from where I am in Tennessee. I went last December. Uh, I'll tell you off air about my experience, but it was very, very interesting. She's everywhere. When you're on the open air train, 
by the way, which has open windows and doors. And they tell you if you get anything like a cinder in your eye, don't pull the emergency cord because we're not stopping anyway. Just deal with it. And you're on a wooden bench. You barely sit on. And you hear her voice everywhere. The music is being piped in. And the emergency cord is 10 feet up in the ceiling of this old-fashioned. Yeah, it, it's a real, real, uh, uh, whatever, steam-powered train. It's, it's quite an amazing experience. Okay, so Barbara has picked a song, Jolene, 1973, and interestingly enough, it's number 217 on Rolling Stones, the 500 greatest songs of all time in 24, and number 63 on the same list in 2021, so it moved up quite a bit. Dolly said there was a redhead at the bank, a redhead clerk who flirted with Dolly's new husband, Carl Dean, and Dolly wasn't too happy about that. So she wrote Jolene the same day she wrote, I will always love you, if you get the connection there. And Jolene, she's worried that Jolene's going to take her husband. Uh, Dolly said the story is true and she doesn't like to sing it because it hurts. But here's the line. Barbara, you want to sing or do you want me to sing it? <laughs> Jolene, 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 Jolene. I'm off key. I'm begging of you. Please, please don't take my man. I killed that one. Barbara, rescue me. What does this have to do with investing in AI? Please. Huh. Wow. Okay. So two things. There's two reasons I picked that song. Uh, true story. I grew up in a very traditional British household. My dad was more or less movie star handsome, and my mom was a housewife, lovely woman. Um, but she was always terrified that somebody was going to steal her man. And she made no qualms about telling me, her daughter, oh, you know, that woman really likes your dad. So I kind of grew up with this feeling of, I guess that's how the world operates, so that if you're a woman, somebody's going to steal your man. It's not a great story to have in your head, believe me, and I had to have some therapy around that over the years. But over the years, I also thought, why was she so scared? Was it just because of the way he looked? And I, I realized, you know what? No, she didn't have any money. He had all the power in the household. She didn't want her husband to be stolen because he was her whole economy, right? And so that over the years made me realize I want to make my own money and I want to make my own decisions. And I don't want to have to worry about somebody stealing my man because it'll be less, um, you know, relevant, I think, if I can make my own money and my own decisions. And then the other thing that I love about that Dolly person is that she wrote that song in one day. And that all re always reminds me if I'm procrastinating about anything in my business, I think, you know, time is money. And if Dolly can write a song in one day, I just didn't put my head down and focus and get over whatever I'm working on done. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> End of procrastination per Dolly Parton. It's a, it's a great song, by the way, and it must have affected her powerfully. Barbara, I didn't know you were going to tell such a personal story, but thank you very much. Now we all know a lot more about Barbara Stewart, and we're very happy that you picked that song. I don't think I've ever had anybody quote a Dolly Parton song on the show. So there we go. And Dollywood is, is a very exciting place to be. And the cinnamon buns. Oh, you can't get past that. Okay, so let's go to Christoph has sent us a quote, another music quote. The song is Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses, 1987 song on their debut album, Appetite for Destruction. It's the second single released in 87 and 88. It reached number seven on the Billboard Hot 100 in the U.S. and number 24 on the U.K. singles chart. It was named, you're ready for this, Christoph, the greatest hard rock song of 
all time by VH1 back in 2009, and it was listed on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. Axl Rose wrote the lyrics while he was in Seattle visiting a friend, and he said, it's a big city, but at the same time, it's a small city compared to L.A. I just wrote how it looked to me. And Slash, in his autobiography, said, it was the first thing we all collaborated on in that whole discovering ourselves period in 1985 and 86. This had the natural feel, and it was very cool. I thought that was cute. So let's go to the quote. It's, you can taste, I'm not going to sing this, you can taste the bright lights, but you won't get there for free. Oh, my, Christoph, this is deep. Tell us, what does this mean with our topic? Go ahead. Well, to start with Barney, I don't think it's the best rock song uh, of all times. I think that's <laughs> Thunderstruck by ACDC, but I just could not find a proper ACDC quote for, for this one. Uh, anyway, I like Welcome to the Jungle. It's, uh, in my opinion, a song about fear. And it's also a song about making choices. Another quote in the song is, you can take whatever you want as long as you don't take it from me. Uh, and I think that there is a link to investment in AI because a lot of the things AI will be doing is helping us make choices, where to invest, how to invest. A bit like Spotify is helping us make choices about music. And one thing that, that, that popped to mind is a year or five ago, one of my students said, well, Spotify knows my taste in music better than I do. And that was supposed to be a great thing. And, and in the beginning, we all enjoyed it. Now, last week, my wife told me, Spotify keeps giving me the same type of songs over and over again. And even if I do the Discover Weekly, I don't discover anything. I just get the same type of thing. So I'm wondering if AI will help us choose what we want. Will we get more of the same or will it help us diversify? Interesting. So it, it basically typecast your wife and her musical tastes at that point in time, right? Very interesting. I, I'm sure you're all aware that ChatGPT is basically working off of a closed database of ending in the end of 2021. So if you ask ChatGPT to search for something that you know just happened in the news, it can't find it because it's not an internet search engine, which is interesting. So I asked ChatGPT if it knew who I was, and it said no. Then I Googled the name of this radio show. It gave somebody else as the host and producer for the show, and it said I had been a guest. I have a friend who's a deep sea diver. He owns a place in Cozumel and he writes treasure hunting deep sea thriller novels, very good novelist. And he's written five books. So as an experiment, I put his name into ChatGPT. It gave me a list of six books he had written and only two of those were his. The other were books by other people. So I will tell you that if I Google a movie, if I get a movie quote, uh, Russell, if I get a quote from a song, for example, from ChatGPT, and it's the wrong character or the wrong actor, I, I'll spend a lot of time researching it. And I'll go back and I'll say to ChatGPT, that was not the right, you know, Barbara Stanwyck didn't play that character or Paul Newman wasn't that or that character wasn't in the movie. It will apologize to me. But of course, it's a can. It's not sentient, but it was taught to be polite little minimalistic empathy in there. And it will say, I apologize. I'm sorry if I caused you any confusion. You are right. I was wrong. 
I've gotten that many times. So there we go. Thank you very much. Raffaella, you're next. I have your quote. I'm not sure how to read this one. It's a little bit <clears throat> almost X-rated. I shouldn't have said that. Lieutenant Nick Goose Bradshaw, played by Anthony Edwards, who I remember when he started out on the cast of ER, the hospital show. It's from Top Gun, the original Top Gun, 1986. The pilots enter a swinging off-base cocktail lounge, and Mav, Maverick Tom Cruise says, this is what I call a target-rich environment meaning a social club and goose says the following you live your life between your legs mav i'm just gonna stop right there Raffaella, <laughs> go ahead relate this quote to our topic we all just sitting here saying what go ahead well first of all you can tell i spent most of my career on a trading floor from that quote <laughs> <laughs> but um well look i'm an economist and economics has a lot to do with money but in reality, behind the money, there are the people, right? Um, what they do, why they do things. So because AI is such a disruptive technology, I thought the best way is to start from the really beginning. The really beginning is what do humans really need biologically? And they need kind of three categories. They need to be happy. You know, I mean, not always, but they need to function. They need to be happy. They need allies when you'll be sick when you'll be in conflict and you want, we all want to contribute to humankind. Uh, you can have kids, you can share your knowledge, but these three are like the cornerstone of what makes us. So the idea is to try to understand how this technology is really going to influence how we do these three things, because ultimately it will influence the the financial assets. So I chose that scene because it has everything I just said, right? I mean, it's charged, he's looking for friends, he's looking for mate, there is the competition, it has it all about the human essence. And also it kind of pivots your attention away from just the financial aspect and into really the human. And we will definitely talk more about, you know, investing strictly but AI also has a very imp important impact on humans. You know, I mean, fraud is quite easy. Uh, it's very addictive. It's wonderfully charming to use. It influences how we learn things, how we accumulate knowledge. So because we're really at the beginning of this revolution and the legislation all needs to happen and the political repercussions of how this technology is deployed is all ahead of us. I thought it was a good thing to put the accent not just on the short term, but the long term. Thank you very much. Very well done, Raphael. I had no idea where you were going to go with that. Very nicely done. Russell, I'm getting to your quote next. And this is a famous from another very famous well-known movie, Rocky Balboa, the 2006 American sports drama film, written, directed, of course, and starring... Sylvester Stallone. He's got a new TV show about the family Stallone with all his four gorgeous mm -hmm. daughters. Uh, he's an underdog boxer, Rocky Balboa. It's a sequel to the 1990 Rocky V and the sixth installment in the series that started with the Oscar-winning Rocky way back in 1976. This one is the story of the aging, retired widower Balboa living in Philly, that's Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, owner and operator of a local Italian restaurant called Adrian's, named after his late wife. There we 
Rodrigo. And there's all kinds of backstories on where the name Rocky came from. Was it Rocky Marciano, Marchigiano? Was it from Rocky Graziano Barbello? Was it from a boxer in 1981 who called himself Rocky Balboa? And people still don't know if that was his real name. So here is the quote. This is interesting. Nobody's going to hit as hard as life, but it ain't how hard you can hit. It's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. It's how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Russell, did I do that any justice, please? That was spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> I should have gotten my, my, my kickboxing gloves out. That would have been better. They're in the other room. Go ahead, Russell, explain to us, please. Well, I love this quote because it's, it's almost like a neutral color. It, it goes with everything and it can be applied to so many aspects of life. Uh, specifically in terms of investing, uh, you know, we all have made bad trades. Every trader, every investor on the planet has regrets and, uh, you know, has uh, something that you bought and then the next day it drops by 50% or something you sold and the next day it goes up by 50%. Uh, being in crypto, I probably have more of those stories than the average investor, but uh, this quote is an important uh, thing to hang on to when those bad trades inevitably happen because, um, you know, it's it's on the balance of everything and you can't take short term results too seriously. And uh, you make a bad trade. You just got to brush yourself off, get back up and, and follow your your strategies, uh, follow the rules that you've set and and move on to the next one. Uh, and for me personally, you know, with regard to Bitcoin, uh, there's actually a website called BitcoinObituaries.com which lists every time a major media figure announces the death of Bitcoin, it goes and there's well over 500 of these uh, instances. And so, you know, to me, it's like Bitcoin, every time it, it gets knocked down, it just gets up and keeps moving forward. And it's that kind of march of inevitability that uh, I really appreciate. March of inevitability. I like that. By the way, I started investing way back in the 19. I'm not going to tell you when, but a friend said to me, uh, I'll, I'll help you. Uh, it was somebody I worked with. And so I took a little tiny bit of money and made a very small stock investment and I made a couple of hundred dollars. So he said, buy yourself something with it. So I, I had a, a diamond. I was divorced at the time. I had a diamond from my ring. It was a very pretty Tiffany diamond, good quality. And I went to a local jeweler. This was Eugene, Oregon. I said, design me something. And he designed a slightly off center gold heart not flat but it was three-dimensional and put the diamond in the middle on a gold mm -hmm. chain and my friend said you have to treat yourself to something when you have a good investment but this was the era Russell and everybody when people were charting their stocks in a loose-leaf notebook with pencil and ruler every day they read the paper mm -hmm. they followed the stocks and they went up or down on the chart they hand graphed the trajectory of the stocks they were investing in. Very interesting. This is way, way back. I am dating myself. <laughs> Let's move on. Thank you all for the very interesting quotes. I appreciate the work you did. And thank you for having faith that this would be a fun thing to talk about. So let's go to the predictions part of the show. Here's what's going to happen. I've already picked a prediction from Barbara Stewart. I picked your number four and it's in the chat for you, Barbara. I'm going to read a piece of this. It was very long and articulate and I appreciate that, Barbara. While you're all listening, Christoph and Russell and Raphael, if you have any comments to make about what Barbara is, she'll unpack it for about three minutes. If you have any brief comments, wiggle one of your nice fingers at me and I will see you. That's why we use Zoom. Can you believe, Barbara, I did this show <laughs> on the phone for years until about four years ago? All my radio shows, I have 50 radio series I've started since 2011, produced and hosted all of them. It was all done by phone. So I couldn't see 
Kristoff's wonderful turtleneck. I couldn't see Russell's smile in the big possible logo. I couldn't see Raffaella in your very elegant logo there in your beautiful suit. Barbara, I couldn't see how pretty you are. I couldn't see anything. I had to listen. Is Barbara done talking? Oh, is it, was that a semicolon? Was that a comma? Is she in the middle of a sentence? Oh, okay, because I didn't want to interrupt, so I had to learn to listen. Now we have Zoom. I can see you think and talk and move, and it's wonderful. So that's part of technology and radio. There we go. So, Barbara, here we go. Prediction number four, AI generative tech tools capture clients' values. You gave me a nice caption. You say, existing tech tools in the financial services industry are geared to advisor needs. In the future, you're predicting generative AI will enable firms to create tools that will capture what clients value in life and help them to invest in themselves. I know that's a big theme for you, Barbara Stewart. So Barbara, unpack three minutes, please go. Okay, so uh, at the outset, I just want to say I've worked in the investment industry for 30 years now, and I still find it to be extremely archaic in so many ways. So there's only room for improvement here. And as I said at the beginning of the show, uh, chat GPT, general AI, all of this stuff is going to accelerate progress dramatically. So I'm thrilled about this. So what am I talking about? If you think about tools that are available right now in the industry, we're talking about CRM systems to manage clients. We're talking about financial modeling. We're talking about Monte Carlo simulations so we know what's going to happen to our portfolio from a numbers perspective over time. All very, very important. However, what we don't capture with technology is the values of our clients and what's really important to them. And I can tell you, after just having completed my last annual research study, where I asked 52 men and women this year around the world, how do they invest in themselves? The, the three most common ways people are investing in themselves are spending more money on higher quality food, uh, spending money, more money on better quality exercise equipment and doing more exercise and spending more money on travel, specifically business travel as an investment. So it's interesting because where does this money come from if they're spending all this money? It's coming out of their retirement savings because they want to enjoy life now. Now, whether that's a result of us having been through a pandemic or just the generation or just the quiet quitting or whatever we're in, People are st like stepping off the rat race treadmill and we need to capture that as our as our investors are looking different in terms of where their money is going. So I'm really encouraged that we're going to now be able to map these patterns of behavior, get more information from our customers in the industry and do a better job. So that good old KYC form, know your client that hasn't evolved in a million years, I think there's room for more than just the ticking boxes of risk tolerance and return liquidity and unique preferences. I think this is gonna evolve in a, in a massive way where we're gonna be able to input our customers' social connections, trends that they're doing, their buying habits, all of this, and just in the next year or two, it's going to radically change how well we know our customers. And there'll be no excuse, I think, for any investment advisory firm not to do a way better job incorporating their clients' values in terms of the way that they invest. I'll have to tell my broker. So A, I'll be part of this. I hope it does a better job than Christoph's wife, Spotify, right? <laughs> Where it gets you stuck in that investment risk tolerance and all. Anybody have any comments? I saw some people taking notes. Comments on what Barbara said? Anything? Oh, Russell, please go ahead. 
Yeah, I know. I think it's very interesting. And this whole idea of investing in yourself is, I think, only going to grow in prominence. Um, you know, we we are moving towards, by we, I mean, society as a whole, moving more and more towards an idea of happiness as something that's really important to try to cultivate. And, you know, we we feel happiness when we spend time with people we love. We feel happiness when we are consciously grateful for the things in our life. And we feel happiness when we take care of our physical and mental health. And uh, so all of those, if you can, if you can wrap those into an investment vehicle uh, with AI's help, I think uh, there's huge potential for it. Thank you. Anybody else? Any comments before we move up? Rafaela, please join us. Yeah, I just also wanted to say that investing in yourself is necessary also for your risk appetite. If you're too worn down, you cannot make decisions. And that is at all levels. You know, you cannot make simple decisions. You cannot make the best financial decisions. If you're an entrepreneur, you cannot manage anybody. So I think it's it, it's really essential. Barbara and wants to comment. Here. Yep, go I ahead, just Barbara. want to say full disclosure, I did interview the lovely Raffaella Tenchoni for my last research report. So if you're interested in her story about risk, and it's excellent, um, you can have a look at on my site, barbarastewart.ca for those rich thinking reports. Good to know. Thank you very much. Christoph, what? Go ahead, please. I'm just wondering, uh, Barbara, are you anyway afraid that you will have a Spotify uh, phenomenon where the AI will just advise you to buy the same type of stock you already have? It's a great question, and I'm not afraid. Maybe I know a bit too much because I live with a technology analyst, and I overhear very serious calls with extremely important clients uh, all around the world. And I can tell you that I, I have, I'm, I'm not worried in the least. I think this stuff is evolving in an amazing way. And I think we're going to be shocked by just how great it is. I'm not worried about the Spotify thing at all. Okay. We now have the Spotify phenomenon. Christoph, thank <laughs> you very much. We'll copyright that for the show. Thank you, Barbara. Very good kickoff for our prediction segment. Let's go to Christoph. I picked your prediction number one. I like this one. You say AI-powered tools will play an increasing role in due diligence and drafting of investment documentation as legal tech is finally in parentheses catching up automated document analysis will be a first step to highlight red flag clauses in contracts as lawyers may not be ready for automated contract drafting ai assisted drafting can be a first step that sounds like tiptoeing into something new and and using it as a benefit christoph relate this to our topic please go ahead yeah thank you um we see a lot of technology also in the field of the law and uh, how can AI help or even replace lawyers. Um, and that has been a very, very slow process. I think not in the least because lawyers are not very enthusiastic about the fact of being replaced by technology. Um, so what I feel today as a lawyer is that a lot of the things I do and that my teams do is very archaic in a way and could have been replaced by technology long time ago if we would have been a bit more open to it. Now, I gradually see some changes. As I mentioned, I don't expect technology to draft contracts or investment documentation anytime soon. I think that lawyers will push that back as far as they can. Uh, but what we start seeing is some technology that helps us picking the right clauses and making good combinations and making contracts more sound. And I think that will be very helpful in uh, 
quite often long contract terms that uh, that have to be negotiated uh, where we can finally find some uh, some efficiency apart from that as mentioned in due diligence where you assemble 20 30 people to go through a, a bunch of documents well that's just not uh, that's not today anymore so I, I really hope that we can skip all that and uh, just ask AI to find the red flag clauses for us and it will make the process of investing uh, a lot more efficient than, than it is uh, today. Thank you. Efficient. Good, good, good term. With everything changing so much, we're looking at a DEPT crisis in the U.S. right now. And people are saying, what are the markets going to do? And what are people going to do? It's going to do our investments. So efficiency is a question is measured under uh, current ec current economic conditions and, and the fear factor. Am I right? I don't want to get into politics here, but we're in an interesting time is how fast can you react? if you think you need to. Let's just leave that alone. Anybody want to comment on Christoph's prediction? With a I'll lot just more... say that um, I would say I know so many lawyers personally around the world who have quit their job because of all of that horrible stuff that goes along with the job that maybe the law profession will be able to hold on and retain more lawyers. If you look at the stats on how many people leave in off uh, to what you're talking about, which will be very positive, Christoph, retain more lawyers and attract new ones because they get to do the real work. And last week, my show was the future of attorneys and AI. You might <laughs> want to listen in and see. I'm, and we covered the future of, of employee rights, workplace law and AI the week before. So I'm trying to cover all angles here. Russell, had you uh, ra raised your finger there? You wanted to say something, please. Yeah, I just wanted to add to that. I think uh, absolutely automation of documents and legal uh, by AI will be a, a continuously growing field. And coming from crypto where, you know, with uh, the advent of Ethereum and smart contracts, uh, I've been working towards automating as much legal as possible for seven or eight years already. So it is a big thing. And, and yeah, a lot of contact lawyers, uh, like a lot of people are going to be out of work over the next few years. But uh you know, they'll have to adapt like pager and fax machine salesmen before them. So it's uh, just the nature of the market. Somebody asked me recently if I had a fax number. I fell off my chair. It's like, <laughs> seriously, I once faxed something to somebody many years ago to somebody in Canada. I don't know why. No offense to anybody in Canada right now. But I, I had to fax some documents for work many, many years ago. I got a bill from my carrier. It was, I think, $100 for the time it took to fax a certain number of pages. I had no idea it was going to be that expensive because of bandwidth issues, because of whatever it was that the technology involved. I had a hell of a phone bill just for sending that fax. We'll leave that one alone. Fax, what? Let's move on. I'm going to prediction number two from Raffaella. Here we go. You say AI is the underlying technology that will make it possible to deliver the energy and green transition we have embarked on. So we recommend spend time thinking about those themes rather than the mechanism by which they will be implemented as a core long-term investment strategy. Rafaela, take it over, please. Yes. Well, I think, you know, the trend is your friend and is the most important uh, saying in investing for the long term. So um, green energy, digitalization in general, but green and energy are very important policy priorities around the globe, especially U.S. and Europe. So AI is really the enabling technology because these transition create an enormous amount of data, which some of it we haven't even created yet. But in the next few years, it really become enormous and AI will allow us to actually really use it efficiently 
and deployed them for the rest. So my, my main recommendation is focus on that um, as your investment priority. As a side to it, uh, of course, right now in the immediate term, AI is really has a very easy business implementation, more so than other digital technologies. Uh, so by all means, you can go into the tech names that I have expertise into AI as a near-term investment or the first mover advantage. You know, those companies that really are using AI immediately, they will be definitely favored. So these are kind of the three things, but the, the first one I gave you is the longest lasting. I have to say it really does sadden me to say that also defense is part of a trend because of all the geopolitics we have. And AI does play a role in there as well. Yes, it does. Anybody have any comments to add to Raffaella's prediction? Anything? Okay, everybody's being very thoughtful. Thank you very much. Let's move on. Russell, I'm going to prediction number one. This is a pet topic of yours, and you insisted that I include it in the show, and I said, okay, Russell, we will do it. So let me read a little bit here. We had to get the word blockchain in here. We just had to. We said to me, Ronnie, I've been doing this for years. Don't you dare do a show on AI investing without talking about blockchain. Thank you, Russell. So I've, I've, I've been called. I've been summoned. So blockchain, here's Russell's prediction. Blockchain will be a critical backbone to investing in the age of AI. Blockchain's key characteristics are, we know, immutability, transparency, which will be the only way to ensure trustless verification of data. I'm gonna stop there. Russell, give us a three minute lesson and remember this is a prediction. So go ahead, future focus, please. <laughs> okay, so first let's talk about the term trustless, which we use a lot in the world of blockchain, but isn't very well understood among general society. And, and a lot of people, think of trustless as fully trusted or 100% trusted, but that's not what trustless means. Trustless means the absence of trust. It, it means that the concept of trust doesn't even enter into the equation. So with blockchain, we know blockchain is immutable, which means that when data is written to the blockchain, it can never be altered or deleted. It is 100% fixed forever, and it's completely free from fraud, corruption, manipulation, or even just honest mistakes. Blockchain is also transparent, which means it's essentially an open database that's on the internet that is visible by anyone at any time. And those two factors combine to create this autonomous, decentralized, peer-to-peer -peer environment that is trustless. And this is key. I mean, think about it. You can send Bitcoin to a complete stranger over the internet, halfway around the world, and you can do it direct, peer-to-peer, -peer, without Western Union, without PayPal, without a bank in, in between, essentially the digital equivalent of putting cash in an envelope and just mailing it to someone. And yet you can have complete confidence in the validity of that transaction. So if you cannot say, oh, I sent it, if really you didn't. And the other party can't say, oh, I never got it, if they did, because both of you can go onto the blockchain and view the confirmed transaction for yourself. So lying becomes impossible. And if lying is impossible, then trust is unnecessary. And this is what is meant by a trustless environment. So very soon with the advent of AI and deep fakes and other uh, personality mimicking technology, simply viewing a video is not gonna be enough to discern the truth of something. So authentication and verification of data, not just financial, but all data that everyone can agree on that is trustless is gonna be absolutely critical in this new world of AI. And investing is going to be built on blockchain for this verification data. 
Thank you very much, Russell. Let's get some comments. Anybody? Blockchain verification? Oh, you left them all speech. Oh, Christoph to the rescue. Mr. Turtleneck, please join us. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree, Russell. I think that uh, trust will be built in. On the other hand, a couple of years ago, I, I did a little workshop, which was called uh, the Liars Academy, and I was trained to discover lies. Um, the main thing I learned there is that when people lie about uh, facts or figures or things like that, it's not that important. We can handle with it. The only thing that is really critical is if people start lying about the things that they find really important. And what I feel in, in my contract negotiations is that that does not come out when too much is being automated, when we don't have the good fight before we conclude the contract. The contract is fine, but it's the good discussion before that that is necessary. And I'm a bit afraid that a lot of automation and a lot of digitization will for, uh, will lead us to not negotiating anymore, which means that the trust will be lower because we have not talked about our real interests face-to-face. Uh, -face. Yeah, I mean, I, I could agree with that. I think, um, you know, a, a lot of discussion tends to be black or white and life is full of gray. And so I don't think it's one or the other, but I think a combination of human interaction and automation, there, there is a happy medium that will lead to best case results. Thank you very much. Any other comments? I'll tell you what, we have just a few minutes left and I have decided I wanna to go to a very interesting prediction from Raffaella in the time we have left. Uh, it, it's the contrarian side, I think. And I think it's valuable to our panel and to our listeners and viewers to hear what she has to say. So, and I really would like everybody to chime in on a, a reaction or response to this afterwards. We have just enough time for that. So Rafaela, two, two and a half minutes, and then a quick around the table. So Rafaela says, it is a mistake to say AI will provide more accurate predictions, improved risk management, and enhanced portfolio optimization and I'm not going to read the explanation because I'd rather you do it live here. So, Raffaella, you're on. Tell us. Yes. Uh, essentially, where AI can do better is very near term. But first of all, uh, the, the relevant question is over what time period? Because the more you lengthen the time period, the more it's not so much about the data, but about the why. That second loop, you know, the human reaction, not just in your preferences, but the regulator or whatever it is. So it's it's the why that matters and their AI cannot do it because it's not it's not human. The other issue is the data availability. So the thing about the AI and digitalization is that it really puts your attention on data that you have. You know, a lot of is it Excel. Now we have more types of data. But reality has a much broader set, right? And this is what the humans can still and do and do better. So it doesn't have the same information set. And as you, uh, Bonnie, as you, as you mentioned at the beginning, you know, the data set right now is only up until 2021, you know, and if you didn't realize you'd be, you'd be missing out. So the other thing is, so my three golden rules for forecasting after 20 years of doing this is you really need to understand the data that you have. What, what is it that you're really using? You need to understand the methodology and on the methodology, AI is, is better than us. But you need to stay alert to the unknowns and unmeasurable. 
And that's where the human mind, I think, is definitely superior. So I think it is a great tool. It will help, but it's not superior forecasting. Thank you. Let's go around the table. Barbara, I'd like to start with you. Just a one-minute comment from each of you. Barbara, thoughts? Yeah, my thought is I'm, I'm really thrilled that I'm doing qualitative research as a profession and commissioned research because I think that's never going away. And in fact, it will be more in style than ever because I think institutions will realize, to your point, Rafaela, that this is just one side of it. And that's going to be wonderful and accelerated. However, to differentiate as an investment firm or as a bank, talk to your customers for real and tell the stories of your customers. This will become even more important as a competitive differentiator. Thank you, Barbara. Christoph Cox, go. Yeah, fully agreeing with you uh, on, on this one, Rafael. I, I think it brings me back to the Spotify problem. And uh, I love Spotify, by the way, so no comments on that one. Um, but uh, what I think is discovering what you want is not really a science. It's rather a journey where you tr have trial and error. And I think that going through that journey is something in which AI cannot easily replace us. So let's have that real deep conversation and discover what is out there and what we may not even realize that we like. Like for me, rock music while I was always listening to pop music. Isn't that what Steve Jobs said? We're going to give them what they didn't even know they wanted. We're going to figure that out for them when Apple started. Russell, please, comments briefly. Uh, I would agree with everything you said, Raffaella, with a one-word qualifier, which is yes. So I think that you know the human mind in general has difficulty grasping exponential curves because we don't really have much of a frame of reference for it in the natural world. And we are right now standing on the very precipice. You know, if we look back over the last 30 years, there was no smartphones, no social media, no internet in 1993. And I think over the next three years, we will probably have a greater progress and development in technology than we had over the last 30. So I think that when, when AI reaches true AGI, which I think honestly will happen within the next three to five years, um, all these types of predictions go out the window because we will be in uncharted territory and we don't really know how uh, fully sentient, uh, true AGI will respond, how it will interact with humans. You know, it's, we, we don't know anything about it. So it's, uh, but in terms of capability, I don't think you could limit what it might be capable of uh, because it, there is no limit, really. I mean, again, we just don't know. <laughs> and Russell, I want to just level set for the audience. AGI, I looked it up, is artificial general intelligence. Is that correct? That's correct. So we okay, have right now, we have uh, arti narrow artificial intelligence, which is specifically programmed for one type of thing like Siri, or we have many, many examples. AGI or artificial general intelligence will be human level or surpassing human level intelligence that it'll be able to do anything uh, that's theoretically, that we can do. Thank you. And I want you to all know that the slightly more grown-up, slightly more mature teenage version of ChatGPT is GPT-4, which is a paid, paid. I don't know if it's in beta still, but it was put into an experiment by two law lawyers and two students of law recently, and it passed the bar exam uh, in the 97th percentile. Mm-hmm. Oh, just so, so you know. So it is getting pretty... What about pretty... the CFA exam, though? <laughs> I, I, I'll have to do another show on that, Barbara. We will we will do that. I want to thank Andrew, my engineer at Voice America. I want to thank Barbara Stewart. You brought me an extraordinary panel. You always do, Russell. Christoph Cox, 
Russell Kuras, Raffaella Tenconi. But I have a quick assignment for all of you, and here we go. I want you to raise your hand and make the sign of a no, 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 okay? I want you to practice right now, everybody. Come on, we're going to shake. <laughs> on the count of three, you're going to join me and say no, no, no. So people say the future is already here, and our answer categorically is one, two, three. No, come on. No, where's the no? No, no, no. Christoph, I want to hear you say no, no. Christoph? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Not very adamant, but yes, that's fine. The reason is that that was yesterday's future. Or that was the future two and a half seconds ago when I finished. That was it. It's gone. It's in the past. We're all here in our own way to try and make the future a better one. Bonnie D signing off. Don't go away, panels. We're going to take pictures. Everybody wait. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Oh